Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi there. I hope you're having a good week. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 3 and we'll begin there. I hope that you're well into your March study of escaping with boldness. Moses is not one of the characters that we were asked to study in our lesson for this month, but as I was sitting in a Sunday school class on Sunday, a Bible class, I thought about Exodus chapter 3, and we talked in that class about the requirement of Moses that God was making here, the errand that God was sending Moses on, and the excuses that Moses made because of his fear and the boldness that he finally came up with to go and do this great errand for God. You'll remember that Moses had been out of Egypt now for 40 years. He lived in Egypt, grew up in the palace, likely, and he lived there for his first 40 years. But you'll remember that he became very um, involved and enraged, actually, that the Israelites were being abused in the land of Egypt. They were slaves and the Pharaoh who arose, remember, who didn't remember Joseph, who didn't remember how that the Israelites had in the beginning actually saved the land of Egypt. The new Pharaoh now doesn't know Joseph and had arisen and been very abusive to the slaves, the Israelite slaves. And so Moses at the age of 40, in defense of one of his brothers, Israelite brothers, who was being attacked, killed an Egyptian. The Bible says he looked to the left and he looked to the right and didn't see anybody, and he took the life of that Egyptian. And then later finding out that someone had indeed seen him murder that Egyptian, Moses fled to the land of Midian, where he met his wife Zipporah, and where for the next 40-year segment of his life, he kept the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro and we remember on the morning of um, Genesis of Exodus 3, I bet Moses did not have any idea what was going to occur that day. I bet when he buckled his sandals on that morning, he thought he would just pull them off like every other night when it was time to go to bed. But on this particular day, something very amazing, something very out of the ordinary happened to our man Moses. Moses was keeping the sheep that day and he saw a bush that was on fire. I can just think about his responses to that. He probably tried to put that fire out. He was probably keeping his sheep herded away from that fire, but something strange about that bush was that it just kept burning and burning and burning and never was consumed. And then something even stranger occurred. A voice came from the burning bush and he recognized that as the voice of God. Exodus chapter 3 begins, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the wilderness, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Horeb is synonymous with Sinai, just another name for the Mount of Sinai. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the middle of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I'll now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt? So Moses says, well, i got to go figure this out. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, 
here am I. We know from Exodus 7-7 that Moses was 80 years old at this time. He was an experienced man, but this was something he had never seen before. And he said, draw not nigh hither, but put off your shoes from your feet. This is God talking for the place wherein you're standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know, this is just the beginning of many, many, many conversations that Moses was going to have with God. And as the time progressed, Moses was going to have to get bolder and bolder and more and more full of faith and passion for doing God's will. So the Lord said, I've seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And so I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good land and a large, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, verse 9, Behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come to me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. So God is here telling Moses that he has heard the cry of the children of Israel. And Moses said to God, verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? His first response to God, his first excuse was, God, I'm just not qualified to do this. Sometimes when we're afraid, we do feel very inadequate to the task. Sometimes we, when we lack boldness, we say, oh, but God, I, I'm just not qualified. And that is in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, certainly I will be with you. You're not doing this by yourself. And that's what we remember when we use that excuse of not being qualified. I don't have to be totally qualified because I've got somebody on my team who is qualified. And this shall be a token to you that I've sent you. When you've brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What, what shall I say to them? And here he's using a second excuse that we sometimes use. God, I, I just don't know enough. We, we use both of these excuses when it comes to evangelism. I'm not qualified, and God, I'm not knowledgeable enough second excuse and God said to Moses I am that I am or I am because I am and he said thus shall you say to the children of Israel I am hath sent me to you the word I am really means I've always been I am now and I always will be and so then God said moreover to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. That's the second time that day that God has said from that bush, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The first time Moses hid his face, 
The second time Moses is listening to the errand upon which God is going to send him, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, third time, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and I have seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites into a land flowing with milk and honey. And they're going to hearken to your voice. And you will come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you'll say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness, so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And then God goes ahead and tells him, I'll give you the bad news first, Moses. I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. He's sending Moses on this errand that requires great boldness in the first place. And then he's saying, but Moses, he is, I'll just give you a heads up. He, he's not going to listen to you. He's not going to let you go. And then God says, and I will stretch out my hand. And I will smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you will not go empty. I'm sure verse 22 here of Exodus 3 gave Moses great motivation through all of the trials that he was going to go through before the throne of Egypt. God said, But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourns in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and on your daughters, and you will spoil the Egyptians. So he says he's not going to let you go. And then I'm going to deliver some plagues upon Egypt, and then he will let you go. But you are not going to go empty-handed. You are going to go out of Egypt wealthy, a wealthy people, because you're going to be able to to just ask, and they're going to give you the wealth of Egypt. Okay, chapter 4, excuse number 3. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared to you. He said, But first off, he said, I'm not qualified. Second, he said, I don't know enough. And the third thing he said was, They won't listen. And the Lord said to him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said to Moses, Put forth your hand, take it by the tail. He was asking some pretty, if you ask me, he was asking something pretty bold right there. Take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand so that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to thee. I believe that there we have the fourth time that he has described himself as the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. He is wanting Moses to remember the history that Moses knew so well in which God had proved his power. He's wanting Moses to stop with the excuses and say, do you remember who I am, Moses? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, you know, parenthetically here, it's the one we serve today. We are serving 
the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, and he has all power. And the Lord said furthermore to him, put now your hand into your bosom, and you'll remember what happened. He put his hand into his bosom, and we took it out. It was leprous, and he said, now put it in again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And then the Lord goes ahead to tell Moses about the signs that he's going to show, how the water is going to turn into blood. And then verse 10, we have the fourth excuse. Moses said to the Lord, oh, I'm not a good speaker. He said, I am not eloquent. I'm I'm not a man of, of words. I'm not a public speaker, Lord. Don't send me before the throne. Neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech, and I have a slow tongue. And the Lord said, You're insulting me now, Moses, because I made your mouth. He said, verse 11, Who hath made man's mouth, or who makes the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Moses, you're insulting me. I'm the one who made your mouth, and you're saying it doesn't work very well. And then he says this, funny statement funny to me now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you shall say I think about that with regard to evangelism just think about it God tells us to go into all the world and teach the gospel he gives us the same go word and and he's given us what everything that we need he'll be with our mouths because we have his Bible to teach people Now therefore go, and I'll be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. He says, I'm going to take care of your mouth, Moses. And then Moses offers the fifth excuse. And he said, O Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Oh, now he's offered every excuse he knows. He's offered four. And then he says, God, can't you just get somebody else to do this? Can't you just get somebody else? And then the Bible tells us the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he comes forth to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. And you speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth. And I will be with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. The Lord is just saying here, Moses, none of these excuses are going to get you out of what I have asked you to do. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with your brother. I'm going to be with your mouth. I'm going to be with his mouth. Let me have this, Moses. I'm in charge. Just do my bidding with boldness. And it was going to take a great deal of boldness for Moses to go before the throne of the most powerful man probably in the world during that day. And I've I've done a little bit of research today about which Pharaoh that was. And there's some pretty good evidence. There's some pretty good history that uh, identifies actually that Pharaoh. And you might want to take some, some time to look at that. But it was a, no matter which Pharaoh it was, it was a scary proposition for Moses. And he made every excuse he could think of to not go before Pharaoh. And finally the Lord said, the Lord became angry and said, Moses, just do this for me. I'm going to be with you. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what men shall do to me. Let's think about those excuses again. And this time, let's think about every one of them as it relates to God's command for us to go and talk to those people around us who are in sin. And we get afraid of that. The devil wants us to be afraid of that. But the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
So his excuse is, I'm not qualified. I, I don't know enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. Um, but I've tried this before. They will not listen to me. What if they don't listen to me? I'm not a good speaker. I just, when I talk to somebody about the gospel, I just get nervous and I, I can't put my words together. Why don't you just let somebody else do it? And sometimes we say all those things when we come face to face with the Great Commission, go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who doesn't believe will be condemned. Sometimes we have a tendency in the wake of the fear that that brings to us and the devil would like for us to be afraid of taking the gospel. And we make those same excuses. And sometimes at the end of those excuses, we say, oh Lord, just get somebody else. Just get somebody else. And I'll even help pay the somebody else. I'll help support the somebody else. And don't get me wrong. It's great when we support missionaries. It's great when we reach into our pockets and help people who are willing to teach the gospel to go and teach it. But there is no substitute. Let me say that again. There is no substitute for personal evangelism. Why is that true, Cindy Colley? Because you don't know the same people that I know. You don't sit down on the plane beside the same people beside whom I sit. You don't get into the same line at Walmart that I get into when the when the tape breaks and they have to put a new uh, I don't know even know if they do that anymore they might yeah I guess they do they give you a receipt at Walmart so you're not in that same line when when they run out of paper in the in the little machine and and it's going to take the the lady a couple of minutes to change it out and you have a chance to hand her a card inviting her to worship services you see that was only my chance because I was the one to whom that happened. You are not sitting in the same place in the auditorium on Sunday morning. You don't see the same visitor that I see. You did not um, take your child to the same preschool today, perhaps that I took my child or my grandchild to, and you didn't run to the same teacher who was complaining about, uh, oh, let's say she was complaining or, or she was grieving because she had lost a loved one. You don't know that same person. You didn't run into that same person. But I am the one who did, and I am the one who could take her a book on grief and invite her to come and, and have a prayer time with me. You see, your opportunities are different from mine. My opportunities are different from yours. So I can't make this final excuse that Moses made and say, Lord, you know, you could just send somebody else. I can't, I can't send somebody else to do my personal evangelism because the candidates that are a part of my personal evangelism are not the same people who are in your sphere of influence. I hope that we can take this lesson on boldness this month and decide that both in those arenas when we publicly speak for the Lord and in those arenas where we personally evangelize for him, that we will not let the devil's tactic of fear impede us or prohibit us from carrying out the command of God. Let's stop with the excuses and let's be people of bravery for him. I hope you have a great day. 
If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.